Hello and welcome to The Plotting Shed. You're listening to Rachel McCarty, founder of plotplots.com and author of the book I Want to Like My Garden. Each week, The Plotting Shed discusses different aspects of garden design, but we focus on things that other books don't really talk about. I hope you enjoy this podcast and do please hit the subscribe now button so you don't miss another episode. Well, hello and welcome back to The Plotting Shed. It's Rachel McCartain here. I hope you've all had a really lovely week. Well, this week's topic is all about changing your attitudes to gardening. And it's something that I've been actively doing myself over a number of years. And it's been a hard learn, I have to say. It's not something I found easy. But it's also now how horticulture and certainly the garden media and the gardening shows are beginning to move the the compass and are swinging it firmly in this direction. So we're all going to, over a period of time, have to learn the new way of doing things. And for some people, it's going to be difficult. And for some people, they're going to embrace it. And it's all about how and why we garden the way that we do. In terms of the maintenance, in terms of what a garden actually looks like, and also in terms of our understanding of what we perceive a garden to be. Now, for those of you who are sort of podcast listeners and who watch gardening shows and maybe go and visit some of the RHS shows and things like this, I think you'll have seen over the last few years that show gardens have moved from being very show gardens to now being landscape gardens. There's a trend where we're bringing stuff from the outside world and the nature and we're kind of plonking it into a small garden space and calling that a garden. And there's a lot of good to be said about that. But whether it works as a garden, I would have reservations about because it doesn't really tap into family garden, you know, how a family would operate in their in their small outside space. But what they're trying to do is to get every one of us to reevaluate the purpose of a garden. And so that's what this podcast is about today, which is, I suppose, the way that I've described it is I don't class myself as a gardener. I class myself as a garden owner. I suppose historically there have always been two types of people in the horticultural world. There have been the gardeners and there have been the non-gardeners. The gardeners are the people who, members of the Royal Horticultural Society, used to have the most amazing gardens with loads of things in them, really interesting plants. They will be people who enjoy sowing seeds and propagating plants and doing all the technical aspects of gardening and potting on and and turning one plant into 50 and then finding ways and places to put that in the gardener. You know, it's a passion. It's it's something that's driven. They enjoy growing, making and doing, whether that's vegetable growing, fruit growing, herb growing, or just growing plants that they love. Those are the real gardeners. 
Do I class myself as one of those? No, I don't. I really, really don't. I quickly realised, although I might aspire to be a gardener, I'm not really interested in that sort of thing. I don't really want to prick out and pot on and propagate and divide and graft and do all of those things? Do I want to lift plants at the end of the year and separate them and, and grow things on? And No, I don't. I, I, that, I, I love gardens. I just don't love gardening, I suppose, is being a very honest truth. So all the way through having a garden and being a garden owner, there's always been this battle between how much gardening should I do because quite honestly I used to find weeding a chore, mowing the grass a chore, doing the pruning a chore, all of those things. But I wanted my garden to look beautiful. Wherever I looked in the horticultural media or on television or in show gardens or going to parks and gardens, the image of what beauty in a garden was was very precisely defined. You know, I spoke last week about lawns, but, you know, that was one of the things, you know, perfect, beautiful gardens have beautiful manicured lawns. And then you would see these swathes of horticultural borders that would be full of plants and colour and vibrancy. In other parts of the garden, you would have specimen plants and they would be surrounded by neat soil that was all well raked and there weren't any weed seeds it was very much okay this plant has its own space to grow and you kind of get to believing that that's that's what gardens should be like and so you come back home and you look at your garden you think oh I've got weeds there I need to dig them up I've got that's growing out of shape I need to retidy it and I need to prune it back into the shape again and it all creates a lot of work and a lot of maintenance and it took a lot of time that quite frankly, I, I didn't have. And so I decided to reframe my definition, my definition of gardening, reframe what I do in the garden that makes me feel happy and works for me. And I decided then that I was never gonna call myself a, a gardener. I was going to call myself a garden owner and I was going to simply apply uh, a light touch. I was going to referee what went on in the garden in order that it freed me up from the accepted gardening norm so that I had more time to actually sit in my space, sit in my garden and enjoy it. So what do I mean by refereeing? The first part was my relationship with what we class as weeds. And let's face it, there are weeds and there are some really, really annoying weeds. There are weeds that if you let them get a toehold, they will just take over everything and you, you everywhere just gets covered with them and you're constantly picking stuff out of pathways and, and everything else. And then there are some weeds that aren't, well, they're, they're only defined as weeds because I didn't plant them. So they've got there by themselves. So what I decided to do was to allow a green underplanting to emerge from the soil and to be less worried about 
the plants that I haven't used. So in, I've got a couple of really big borders in the garden. One's under, sort of beside a wall and under trees. It's sort of a woodland space. And the other one, it sort of surrounds a, a little round patio that I have. Most of the plants in there, there is a, an underplanting of, I will be very honest, uh, ground elder. It, it was invasive in the border all the time. And I spent a lot of time constantly trying to dig it up and pull it out and eradicate it. So for the last couple of years, all I've done is I've refereed it. So when it pops up, I try and remove the threads of the root threads and, and dig it out. But am I fussed that the ground elders grown underneath my hydrangeas? Not really. The ground elder flowers last year, we had these pretty white umbels of ground elder flower and nothing bad happened, to be honest. The world didn't end. And the ground elder has colonized the areas that I can't weed easily. So there is this green undergrowth. There are other weeds that have got in. There's the odd bramble that, that finds its way in. There's dandelions that find their way in. Now, some of the dandelions I'll allow, but if they're going to blow their dandelion clocks over my patio, I'll dig them up because I don't want those seeds getting into the cracks and joins in the patio. The bramble, yeah, if I see it, I'll dig it up because it's an unpleasant plant and I don't want it in my garden that I'm going to walk past and scratch myself. I also have bindweed and I also have goose grass, you know, that sticky grass that you get those little tiny balls that stick to absolutely everything. So I referee them. I don't try and dig everything out. Once that the, the goose grass is growing up and growing around something and you can see it beginning to, to set seed, I'll just yank it off. If the bindweed is growing over, I've got, you know, a, one of the grasses and it's sort of tying it up in knots a little bit, I'll, I'll pull it out. I'll, I'll take it from where it is. But am I so upset that it's elsewhere in the border anymore? Does it destroy the look of the border? Well, that depends on your perspective, really. If your perspective is that having plants that you didn't plant in the garden shows a lack of your horticultural commitment, then yeah, my garden looks less manicured. But from another perspective, what I've created is a joining of the cultivated world and the natural world. And I'm allowing the two to coexist. If one begins to take over the other one a little bit too much, I'll step in and just separate them. But I think probably the last couple of years, I have spent so much less time weeding in the borders and things like this. The borders look more full, actually. They, they look healthy. I don't have soil that I can see. It's, it's all green. It's not as neat, and I will grant you that. But do I think it's a better ecological system? Absolutely, and I'll tell you one of the reasons why. Some of you may or may not have heard of what they call what they're calling now the Wood Wide Web. And the Wood Wide Web is a network of fungal threads that 
crisscross the ground underneath our feet. And it is the internet superhighway for plants. And scientists are only just finding out how fundamentally important this network is. And one of the main fungi is mycorrhizal fungi. This is a fungi that attaches to the plant's roots, but it's a symbiotic relationship. The fungi extracts sugars from the plant in order for it to feed and grow. It then delivers for the plant a more efficient extraction mechanism. So it helps the plant extract the nutrients and water from the soil more easily. So both benefit each other. Scientists have, in studying this, have also now found out that there is a communication network through these fungi threads between plants. So if a disease starts attacking one plant, it's transmitted to other plants who've not yet been attacked, who can then begin to develop their own defense systems. They talk to each other. Trees protect baby trees through this network. Trees can feed their baby trees through this network. They can share resources. Now you might be thinking, yeah, well, that's the wood wide web. What on earth has that got to do with my garden? Well, it's in your garden. So every time you dig the soil, you break the network. You're disrupting that ecosystem that we didn't even know till a few years ago existed. So my refereeing light touch approach, trying to minimize the digging so I'm not pulling the soil around all the time, has inadvertently over the last couple of years developed a much better ecosystem beneath the ground that has meant that I've had noticeably less diseases, notab notably less pestilence. It has balanced itself. It's taken time to do it, and it wasn't an easy process because it wasn't brilliant for the first couple of years, but it's working now. So that's one part of the refereeing process that, that I would advocate. The second part of the refereeing process, it's all about your time and the time that you spend doing things in the garden. From last week's episode, you know I don't mow my grass as much and I just have some paths and it takes me a lot less time to mow the grass and I have a better and more interesting lawn, in my opinion, because of it. I now have this green underplanting that I simply referee in the borders. I'm not saying it doesn't have a downside and I'll, I'll tell that in one, in one second. But the other big chore about the garden is pruning and cutting things back and shaping plants and making sure they don't outgrow the space. Now the last 20 or 30 years have seen the explosion of a plethora of power tools things that we can use to make our gardening easier. We've all seen the adverts, you know, there you are, there's the, is it steel? And there's two happy people in the garden with a whole range of tools and they go all around everything and it's neat and tidy and Bob's your uncle, done. Isn't it fantastic? In the short term, it's quicker. In the long term, I would argue that actually it's more time consuming and it's less beneficial. Two reasons. If 
you have a power tool pruner, you can only prune in one way, and that's to prune the outside external growth in a dome kind of shape. You go up one side in a big sweep and down the other side with the power tool. And there you are, a nice neat shape. Looks perfect, it's in my garden. But the plant doesn't know it's got to stay in a nice neat shape, so it sends out new growth, which sticks out like a sore thumb, doesn't it? If you've got this regulation shape, one twig that's, that's escaped the shape is very noticeable, so you have to cut it again. Unnecessary work, maybe. More importantly though, constantly cutting around the outside of the plant creates a dense green shell of the shrub. And what happens is twofold. The first thing is that you get, a, if you look at those shrubs in your garden that you've pruned that way, you have a very thin crust of green growth all the way around the outside. And inside the shrub, there's a lot of matted dead growth. There's lots of twigs, it's quite dense, it's quite dark. There's no green shoots in there at all. The problem being that if we have climatic conditions like lots of too much rain or too much heat or too much drought, the, the way your plant grows is by photosynthesis. And if there aren't enough leaves to sustain the branch work that's now inside that shrub, the shrub becomes really stressed. It will start dropping leaves, which is what plants do when they get stressed. They don't have enough leaves to photosynthesize, so you begin to head down this spiral that the plant can't recover. And then it dies, or it just looks really manky, or it just looks really sad, all of which makes you have to do something about it. So power tool pruning is one of the modern gardening methods that is actually making, in the long run, more work for you to do. I would advocate, go back to a natural method of pruning, and you prune from the inside out. Because if you take out, and it used to be, I think, the dead, diseased, damaged and disorderly shaped branches that are in the way, and you cut those out, you create an open framework that, that makes the plant look like it's growing in a more natural shape. Now, if it grows six inches in that more natural shape, you won't notice it. But if it grows six inches from a regulated power prune shape, you'll notice every one of those six inch growth branches that have popped out from the shape. So that's what I kind of mean about refereeing. It's about rethinking, why do I need to do it this way? Is, it, is there a really good horticultural reason that I am gardening in this way? Or is it that that's the way that I believe gardening should, should look because of adverts and various other things? Challenge yourself. There is a downside, obviously, because I am allowing more things to grow and set seed and form their natural shapes. That one of the big downsides is that you do have more seeds shed in the garden and where you have patios and paths with cracks and joins and things, you will get more seed in it. Noticeably, my paths and, and, and patios have more grass seeds growing in them because I'm allowing the lawn to grow and set seed. 
those grass seeds are blowing in the wind and landing on my patio. That's one of the bits I hadn't considered and is a bit of a pain in the backside. Do I weed kill? Yes, I have done. Do I get on my hands and knees and scrape the weeds, the, pull the weeds out? Yes, I have done. Will I have to lift some of the block paving and actually get rid of it a bit more permanently this year? Yes, I probably will. So that is a job that is the downside as a result of my refereeing. But it's up to you, isn't it? I'm giving you the information and challenging your conventional thought process. It's up to you to decide which elements you want to take on board. There is no imperfect way to garden. There are just gardening chores that you might wish you didn't have to do. And maybe there's a way that you can amend and change your gardening process that it gives you more time to enjoy being in the garden, but you have to change your mindset about what the garden will look like. Do I prefer my garden like this? Yeah, I do, actually. It's a much more healthy, lively, vibrant, enjoyable space than it was before. More next week, where I will be talking about reverse gardens. Now, there's something you probably haven't even thought about. You're going to tune in next week, aren't you? I'll speak to you soon. Bye for now. Well, thank you for listening. You have been listening to Rachel McCartane of The Plotting Shed. If you've got any questions about this podcast, please email me, rachel at plantplots.com, or you visit the website with loads of different information on garden design and gardening advice, along with planting plans that you can download. You can look at the designs that we've created. So do take a look and please do hit the subscribe now button so you don't miss another episode. You can also donate if you go onto the website plantplots.com. There's a little button there saying you can buy me a coffee. So all donations will be hugely appreciated. Thank you very much. Enjoy your week. Enjoy your garden. Take care and stay well.